My name is Holland. My pronouns are they, them. And something that I've been focusing on a lot lately over, over the past um, seven months was in with, with all of this restriction, with things, things that we can't do to protect our safety, to protect ourselves, um, where, am, where am I able to find uh, limitless expansion within um, situations that I can't control? Situations where I am, um, where, I, where I'm feeling uh, uh, trapped and limited. And so I was, I was finding that one of my solutions to that was to go on this, um, this deeply inward journey. And that was where I was finding um, my own sense of infinite experience, infinite self, infinite uh, capacity. Um, was this like this, um, this swirling spiral of, uh, of magic that has been um, within me since before I was consciously born, that has been there loving me and supporting me since before I was taught that I shouldn't be loving myself, um, since before I was taught that there was anything wrong with me, since before I was taught that, um, that I wasn't whole in, in the being of myself. And spending a lot of quality time with, that thing inside of my body, this like this spark that is looking out in my physical body, um, that has been there only, only loving me, On, and that's it. Only loving me, only having compassion for me, and only guiding me and wanting to guide me towards more and more love for myself and all things, um, and really getting, really getting to know and have like an intimate like like, I think I love you type of relationship with this, with this thing that's looking out through, through my body. Um, because I was also finding that like, the more and more I would listen to it, the more and more um, opportunities I would, ex uh, I would have to experience more love for other people, more love for the earth, um, for, uh, for my own sense of awareness of who I was and how and, and how fluid that gets to, to be. Um, finding the edges of decisions that I thought I had made about my personality that I didn't actually want anymore, that I wanted to just change the narrative for who I thought I was and coming out of defining myself from being somebody who uh, doesn't, who, who defines their identity by things that they don't like versus the things that they love, if that makes any sense. Um, and so who is like in in all of us who is who is that little spark in us that existed before we were taught that we weren't already whole um so if we could just if we could just get get comfortable in our bodies do some inhaling and exhaling let's just take some intentional time to meet that spark. And we've already met them countless times because they show up. They show up when we feel inspired. That feeling, that version of us shows up when we are inspired to come to workshops about loving ourselves and about astrology. 
They show up when we take a second to choose to be more loving and compassionate for ourselves. So it's not that it's not that it's as it, it's not as hidden as as um, as we may think. Um, it's far more present than than we may think. So just in 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 this moment, let's just let's have some intentional getting to know and greeting and allowing the welcoming of that little spark, which is actually, um, it's actually as big as the universe. But we're just thinking in kind of physical, physical linear time body terms right now. So let's just take some nice fluid breaths. And just feel like that little spark or that entire galaxy, the entire cosmos that is you and has always been there, that it's inside of your belly, inside of your heart. It could feel somewhere different in everybody's body. That part of you that has always known love for you, that part of you that just wants you to trust it. What does the feeling of trusting a part of you that loves you infinitely feel like right now in this present moment? Just right now, just right now, because this is where we are. This is where we are. We're literally nowhere else. This is where we are. What does feeling trust in a part of you that wants nothing but love for you feel like? So let's just hang out with this question. Hang out with this question and see what you have to, see what you can learn with what with what is being answered here. It may not come in words, maybe it just comes as a feeling. So what does that feel like? This part of you that loves you without any condition, none, none, doesn't even understand them, understands no condition for how it loves you. How does it feel to trust it right now? What does that feel like? If you're having a difficult time understanding the feeling of trust in this moment, find an area of your life where you do experience trust and then place the ferocity of that trust upon this feeling, upon that spark, upon that you that existed before thought. Does it have a shape? Does it look like you? Does it look like an animal? Does it look like light? Does it look like a lot of lights, a lot of shapes, a lot of colors? What if it just held you? What if you just released? And you could just release your body like you're in bed, about to go to sleep that same level of release into this feeling, that same ferocity of trust, that when you know after you exhale, you will inhale again, that same ferocity of trust in this love. If you're having some trouble, trouble with this, you can think of this like it's a game, like we're just playing, keeping track of your fluid breath. What does this, what is this part of you, this part of infinite love that is you, the most original part of you, if it were to, if you hear it saying something to you that you would like to write down 
What are its messages? Because moments like these, they can be hard to remember. So if you wanted to write down on a, a notepad or your notes on your phone, what is this saying to you? Now that we have this opportunity to just sit and listen to this inward infinite love, What does it want to tell you? What has it been dying to tell you? Just take a few, take a few moments to just jot some things down. It's so excited to talk to you. <laughs> Oh, it's so happy you're here. Remember, this is no place for logic because we're playing games. We're playing games with our infinite love self. So if there's a part of your logical mind that is telling you that, you know, something isn't real or that you don't deserve this or that you shouldn't feel this way or that you shouldn't think this way, let's just, let's just keep this a secret from logic for right now. What does that infinite love want to say to you? Hello and welcome. This is Embodied Astrology. I'm Renee Sills, and you are listening to a very special guest episode with vocalist, composer, performance artist, and healer, Holland Andrews. The exquisite self-love meditation that you just heard was recorded in October 2020 in an embodied astrology workshop that Holland and I co-facilitated. At the end of this episode, you'll find another of Holland's healing offerings that guides you into the landscape of vibration and inner touch. In the conversation you're about to hear, Holland and I talk about the ways they've worked to cultivate a loving inner voice and their self-healing practices we discuss healing from traumatic childhoods, working with our shadow selves and inner critics, and get into the intersections of Holland's practices as a performer, a channel, and a healing conduit. We're publishing this episode in the last few days of 2020, a year that has been life-changing for all of us, to say the least. As we head into 2021 and the great unknown of all that it will bring, Holland's messages of self-love and inner listening are timely and essential. Over the last several months, I've been working regularly with these practices that Holland shared. And every time I get still enough to listen to the part of me that has always loved me, or work with toning and humming to touch my heart, I feel my mind immediately becoming clearer, my awareness calming and expanding, and I feel what I can only describe as my higher self getting closer and stronger. As we make this somewhat arbitrary but still important transition between calendar years, I hope that this offering supports you in any new chapters you're beginning or intentions you're setting for your year ahead and your far off futures. I know that to get where most of us want to go, the ability to listen and love ourselves will be absolutely necessary. Thank you as always for listening here. I'm sending so much love and all of my best wishes to you and yours. Did 
did you ever feel like Halloween was an opportunity for you to like dress up or call in in some way um, like the the magical element of your birthday and like think yeah. about like Holland as an avatar or something like who's Holland going to dress up as this year kind of feeling? Yeah, it's, especially when I was younger and I would often want to dress up as things that wouldn't um, that my dad wouldn't want me to dress up as, mostly because of his conservative Christian background. And I wanted to, I always wanted to be a witch or like some, uh, some sort of like mystic, mystical pagan-ish being mm -hmm. that my dad was usually not, um, you know, he wasn't really down with that because that's just how, that's how we vibed at the time. Um, so in, in that way, it was sort of like, ooh, I finally get to feel like all this magic that I feel in me on the daily, I get to now just sort of like, I get to let it feel like there's an entire time of year, an entire day where I can explore being in that magical space without any kind of societal pressure mm -hmm. that I had internalized. Okay, so Scorpio as an energy and an archetype is so often portrayed as like, Ooh, the, the underside of something or like this, um, power that might be kind of scary or, you know, the like unseen realms, the realm of the dead, da, 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 like these kinds of energies. Mm -hmm. Do you feel personally compelled by that element of magic? Is that, um, some way that you've explored your own magic is like feeling into this kind of like immense power and kind of sometimes scary magic or magic that deals with um, the underworld or the the world of um, the enormity of our possibility or something like that. Does that make sense? It does. I think I've only recently been able. No, I've gone. I've gone through different periods where that was like. That was where I was trying to um, to conjure a greater understanding of the unknown initially when I was first like coming up on, on I, just uh, having a transforming spirituality at a, at a younger age in my life. And so um, and now now I've kind of with this like with the evolution that I've currently been on, it's finding a way to integrate all of the, the light work that I've been doing with this very deep history of pulling from um pulling from the healing of suffering yeah um and going going really deep in there in order to like excavate and um to like look to find to acknowledge to acknowledge these wounds that had i had i not i wouldn't have known that they needed to be healed and they would have continued hurting me and maybe other people around me yeah. in in relationships or however um and where where i kind of became obsessive was focusing <clears throat> was focusing so much so much on the light um that i wouldn't be equipped enough to be able to handle the the shadow safely mm -hmm. you know like <clears throat> Because I had seen, I, I had enough overwhelming evidence of where I can be when, I, um, when I'm only existing in shadow. I'm not even, 
not specifically in a magical space, but just in like a um, emotional, psychological space that would sometimes involve like feeling, um, feeling like all of a sudden my thoughts and my body weren't, weren't my own, you know? Um, not that I was being possessed, but I would just be so cut off from like my sense of self-love mm-hmm. that it would, that would feel like everything in contrast to love would be like literally all I could experience. Mm-hmm. And because that's so horrible and I lived, <laughs> and I lived that way for, for so long. And uh, even on the road to healing, there's still these moments of like this incomprehensible, like suffering emotionally. Um, that when I began doing light work or what I would feel more as light work, I would, uh, you know, it would be too scary to even look at. Mm. Um, but now that I have a sense of feeling safe in my body, I do experience this. Um, I just don't, I, I don't, I don't feel like the things that I'm afraid of need to be as big as I made them. Um, and then I can, I can kind of build a healthy relationship with it because to cut it out completely, what kind of human life would that be in general? You know, I'm, um, I'm blessed by the things that I've learned from all of my pain. Um, and what's, and also like, what's more beautiful than being able to track your own growth, you know, um, like in linear time. And I, and I know that when we're suffering, I'm probably totally getting off track, but you know, here we are. Um, when we're suffering so much of what we want is just for it to be, to be done forever for this pain to just, to just be gone, um, immediately. And obviously I understand that wanting, wanting relief so bad that you just want it to be forever. Um, and since that's not really how the human mind works (laughs) at all, you know, um, we've been blessed with being able to track our linear growth and, in these ways, it's, it, it makes the fear smaller because I find the ways in which I got to grow from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, never, I would never prescribe this. And anything that I say, I don't, I, don't, I don't consider it a prescription for everybody to do and that it will work for them and how they need to have a relationship with their light selves and their shadow self. This, this was just sort of how I how I came to evolve through, um, through having uh, years of therapy and um, also and, and, uh, obsessively applying all the things that I learned in therapy and in my own um, connections with my higher, higher beings and higher self, which is also a language that I used to talk about those things, and applying all these principles rigorously to my life to see how they work and then in that choosing to offer it to other people to see if it works for them. Like I also, I don't eat dairy cause that, cause it gives me, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be gassy. Like, but like, I don't tell everybody to not eat dairy cause mm-hmm. it'll make them, you know what I mean? Like some, it just works. This, all, all the stuff that I'm talking about resonates with my energy for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so this is just what I apply to my life to be able to, I don't know, be here as gracefully as possible mm-hmm. for as long as I can. Um, knowing that there's like incomprehensible suffering and, um, and cathartic bliss, you know. 
Yeah. Yeah. All at the same time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Since I've known you, you've been um, very embodied from my perspective, like in your self-love practice. And it's, mm -hmm. it's one of the things that um, you've talked to me about, I think, in the handful of times that we've hung out or had conversations. And it seems like it's always part of your meditation, part of your practice. And because of, of what you've shared with me about your history and your biography, and then also because I've had the opportunity to see you perform numerous times, like I'm very aware that you have traversed incredible suffering and like incredible intensity in yourself and you can hold, you can hold it and not identify with it but like it, it feels like the depth of what you've been through and what you've allowed to touch you even if it wasn't something you went through personally what you're sensitive to um like gives rise to this incredible kind of presence um that that you have and that it seems like you practice and then this practice is is so consistently self-love and like this healing practice that feels um just really like deeply generous and nourishing. Um, and I, I have your astrology chart up right now. I hope that's okay. Oh, nice. I, I love that. <laughs> but I have it. Um, but so I'm noticing that, so you're a Scorpio and um, you, uh, your son is conjunct to Pluto, which is the, the modern ruler of Scorpio, this kind of incredible catonic, um, entity, this deity of death and transformation and a sign that symbolizes death and transformation. Um, the Phoenix energy, you know, of rising from the ashes again and again. And right now the transiting planet Uranus is starting to oppose your sun. And in the next year, it's going to form that opposition several times. Um, and that feeling I think is pretty astounding, not going through it myself in your particular constellation, but um, how I would imagine it is as this like rumbling, like this inner earthquake, you know, where mm -hmm. the dense forms of mass that have been built up over time uh, to contain energy now have to shift and get moved around and these inner plates are sliding and, and allowing for some kind of new growth to come forwards. And what it looks like to me is that you know, this, this new growth is at the same time, both very like foundational and, and embodied for you, as well as about something that you're putting out into the world and the way that you're allowing yourself to be seen and uh, yourself to be a channel in the world. So I'm wondering if any of that pings for you as you're hearing it. And if it does, if you might be willing to describe a little bit about your current experience and kind of like how you feel yourself shifting and what you feel coming through you. You astrologers really just, you fuck us up <laughs> with like the sheer accuracy. Um, how funny. That is, that, that feels incredibly consistent with the way my life has been. Absolutely. Um, yeah, there was, there was a point, there was a point at which I kind of began this very, this very radical practice um, about a year ago. Uh, where 
I was, I was having so many, um, so many realizations that like, I was, I was incredibly unhappy with my, uh, with my patterns of thinking, even when I, even with all the growth that I had, um, experienced, there were, there were just so many patterns of fear that I found myself to be stuck in that I, one recognized were there and then in recognizing that it was there um i had i, I re you know i could do something about it you know the first um what's the first uh what's the first step in 12 step acceptance admitting admitting uh, uh admitting that you have a problem mm -hmm. i did 12 step for years and i like already forgot um, <laughs> the first step um uh, and if I, and that may even be wrong, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but in just in having so much clarity for how my mind worked, I was able to start connecting the dots for how many thought patterns I had that were making me miserable, that weren't true, that weren't mine. And I just and I, and I got to a place in knowing that I deserved better than how I was treating myself. Um, and I'd already had a lot of, you know. Um, a lot of evidence of trying to take care of myself and my own mental health. And there were just, there was just a lot of stuff that I hadn't, that I hadn't really caught on yet until I was like, Oh shit. You know, um, uh, just being able to connect these patterns. And one of the things that I started to do rigorously was in a, in a time of indecision or in a time where I didn't know what to do, do because I didn't want to react out of fear. I started to put my um, put my choice into what my intuition was telling me to do. And at that time, and still now, I recognize my intuition as a source of uh, of overflowing compassion and love. Period. Like nothing else is in my intuition. Just that. Everything else that isn't that is like. Um, fear or um you know a narrative about me and who i am that i didn't want to create for myself that didn't come from a place of love uh or just other or just other stuff um so in in that transition i started to notice how the things that i was being taken to and the thoughts that I, and the epiphanies that i were having around myself and self-love it was leading me to more and more experiences of loving myself more deeply every day. Mm. Um, and not to say that like from that, from that moment on, I listened to my intuition and I don't experience any emotional, like, you know, uh, pain, like not false. <laughs> that's not, that's not how, that's not how it works. Um, that's not how it worked for me. And that wasn't my experience with it. Um, but it's that thing of the satisfaction of, witnessing witnessing your own growth um that isn't that may not seem linear at the time but when you look back and you're able to account for if you, you know if you've been continuing to tend this garden of loving yourself to see the yield and for sometimes for that to be pretty surprising and um yeah i'm one of my favorite things to do <laughs> is to catch myself in a thought pattern that that wasn't something that was created out of love that wasn't something that was created out of my own authentic um heart 
my own authentic self, the parts of myself that I want to keep. Um, and this has been like, this has been a huge kind of key feature in this period of my life. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm so grateful for it because we, we're, we're the ones who get to choose who we, who we are and how we want to react to things. So if there's like things that I do where I do them and I don't actually feel better, then what can I do to not do that anymore? What does it feel like to catch yourself in a thought pattern? It depends. Um, it depends on the, <laughs> the mood that I'm in when I catch myself. Sometimes I feel excited where I can like connect all these dots. It's like, oh, when I like, mm, this is one, this is a recent one where uh, I, I was feeling, um, I was feeling aggravated and I was feeling, I was having this feeling that like, maybe there was something wrong with, with me in terms of not having enough friends. And then thinking of the reasons why I wasn't good and I wasn't the right friend for my friends. And this isn't something that I would, I would think of consciously, but it would sort of come up and if I would feel lonely. And then I was able to, um, to catch myself in this pattern and to have this huge epiphany that was like, oh, bitch, you, you think about this a lot. This isn't actually, this isn't actually like, this isn't real. Like you can, you know, for this whole time, you believe that it was real because you didn't catch yourself yet. But like, guess what? We go, we go and catch this one and snatch it up and burn it because it's, because it's not, you know, um, it's not true. <laughs> and it, it's a thought coming out of an insecure place. So, to, so knowing that I've caught it once, I can, I can do it again. And then I think, um, depending on how I feel reacting to catching it, I can offer myself compassion for the place that developed that thought and just kind of forgive myself for having it, but like forgiveness, that word can come with a lot of weight because it's, it's like, like I, like, like I'd done something wrong. Mm. You know, you, you, you forgive when you do something wrong most of the time or to add someone when they've done, when they wronged you. But like having developed that pattern, there's nothing wrong with how I developed that pattern. There's nothing wrong with the part of me that was afraid to develop that pattern. So I feel like compassion is something that is more consistent with what, what I would, what I would need the most in order to heal that, um, that piece. So it, it usually goes something like that, but before the compassion, there may be like, Oh, well, here you go again. You always got all these thoughts that you got to catch. And you know, it's really that, that kind of ticker tape can, can run can snatch me up real fast <laughs> and keep running and I know that they're that the way out of this and when I'm ready to offer myself compassion in that part and just meeting me where I'm at versus forcing forcing it if it doesn't want to fit yet because that'll just cause usually me more uh more shame around around not having fixed something so compassion is often my like go-to uh like thick like it's like windex it's like your white vinegar mix yes your white it's your white vinegar mix it's like start you need to clean something best case scenario you may need to get other stuff to get this out also yeah. but like 
highly recommend using that uh, vinegar mix spray. Yeah. <laughs> when when you were co-facilitating the Scorpio seasonal attunement, um, you offered this practice with humming and vibrational touch. And when you introduced it, you said something, I'm paraphrasing, about your experience um, during COVID, but also I imagine beyond COVID, of just loneliness and recognizing that um, that vibration is the, the deepest form of touch, I think this is what you said, or the yeah. deepest mm -hmm. form of self-touch. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then you offered this practice, which I hope I'm going to uh, be able to include in this podcast segment um, that was so amazing. Like it was, it was so simple in some ways, like what you offered to us. And I don't know if at the time that you offered it, like I really registered how powerful it was, but in the time since you've done it, I've been checking in with it every day or a couple of days mm. and really feeling like this compassion that arises not because I'm thinking of compassion you know it's like just tuning into a vibrational presence and then tuning into what gets touched and the qualities of what's getting touched it's like it allows me to feel compassion but not yet once have I started the practice with this intention of like oh now I'm going to feel compassion towards myself I rarely I it's like as a very self-critical person like I rarely enter into any practice with that idea I'm always like I'm gonna make something better <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so it's been really cool to to work with that practice and this to feel this kind of just patient presence vibrational contact and I'm wondering it made me wonder about your process with yourself and like where did you discover that you have this kind of capacity for um vibrational exploration or like vibrational journey because I definitely um you know I've seen you perform this a lot so I imagine it's something that you've been working with pretty consciously at least for a while like what happens with vibration how does it affect you and how how do you transmit it does anything mm. make sense in what I just said as a question it did yeah and I love how I love how you catch yourself off guard with being compassionate to yourself. It's like, it's like your brain has found, your brain and body have found this sort of like, uh, um, it's, found, it's found a way around a block mm -hmm. and it just needed to come in this, in this form, in this, in this new, uh, this new practice. I love you be, be tricking yourself into being compassionate. I love it. Yeah. yeah thank you. <laughs> in terms of, in terms of sound and vibration, the the physical the physical healing aspects of sound um physical like spiritual healing aspects of sound i didn't really start exploring or thinking about it until covid um before when i would think about uh healing and, and music and vibration it would be kind of more in like a like what what cluster of sounds can i make to make you feel something that will help you heal and I think that was my, that is, and has still been um, uh, something that is the most important thing for when I perform music and when I write music. How will this, how will these sounds make you feel from your, from like your heart, from your guts? 
And I think with the, um, when, when COVID happened, I was finding that I had just so much time to look inside of myself because the outside was gone. <laughs> All the exterior, everything and how I knew myself in the exterior world, how we knew ourselves in the exterior worlds has, was put on pause. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and a lot of, the, and, and the exterior got to transition into internet, but you can only, you can only really engage with that so, so much before recognizing patterns and how it's making you feel <laughs> like emotionally terrorized. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I started to just spend huge parts of my day quiet with myself and entering into feelings that I wanted to feel. And, and, um, and also for the first time singing for my, uh, singing for myself, like singing, singing without thinking about how am I going to sing and turn this into like a melodic line that I'm going to put on an album that I'm going to wear, worry about what gets review and how it's going to sound when it's recorded and how other people are going to experience it and all these things that come with that I, that I experience when I write music that I will release, um, or even stuff where I don't know that I'll release, but thinking in the back of my mind, I'm going to capitalize on this in some way. So to have that totally removed and to only sing and make sounds for my interior body, like my interior world and like it only, it only being for that. And finding that in this humming and just this very simple, I also couldn't listen to music for a long time in the beginning of COVID. I like only listened to single note drones and I would just hum with the single note drones. And then I would uh, witness these sensations in my body for the different notes that I would sing, how I would, how I would feel like pockets of vibration in certain parts of my body, like, start to start to feel like they were glowing and then almost tickle and then and then release there's actually a whole book on on this which i have not read <laughs> it's called the humming effect i do not know the name of the author but this is a whole studied practice in deep self-touch in like in uh vibrational healing for your own for your own body there's all different there's all different sounds and instruments that are made to do this this um vibrational touch but what the book talks about is how in the human voice it possesses and your own voice coming from your own body possesses a, a collection of overtones and vibrations that are um, best suited for the sort of um, uh, emotional soothing and self-healing. And it was really cool to discover that uh, knowing that there is there is like wisdom around this that I that that is in that is in all of us this like way to heal ourselves that our bodies just show us if we just can be quiet enough for our own selves to to listen and so because I was I didn't really have anything else to do and I was finding that I really enjoyed the time that I would spend meditating I just I just got to play around um and again this this humming thing uh and humming until you feel something in your body and then continuing just to stay on that, to stay on that note as consistently as you can. Doing that came from, I don't know, from a, from a place of like play and fantasy and just like self-exploration without any, without any judgment for what it was going to be. 
as well. Because going in with an idea or like a critique, a critique that I may have heard from, I don't know. You know, do, I don't know if you have this, but do you have like voices of certain people in your head that aren't real? For like, what would, what would like a doctor, what would like a conservative doctor say about this thought? Or what would like this like DIY punk who would be at like a house show and like, 2003 have to say about this thought or like what are who are these like I have these like fantasy people in my head that are critiquing my own thoughts mm -hmm. they're not even critiquing they're just sort of like there they're there talking shit but like plot twist they're all me because they're not there <laughs> I am the only I am the only one anyways being able to explore from a place of fantasy and without judgment was where I got to, was where I got to just play yeah. and I really liked and I really liked how it felt yeah yeah, I love that. Thanks so much for, for sharing all of that. Um, I definitely have those characters in my head, for sure. When you were saying the conservative doctor and then the DIY punk, I was thinking about at various points in my life who I've given power to, you know, who I've ascribed power to. It's like, oh, they have the power to validate me or not, or they have the power to include me or not, or think I'm cool or think I know what I'm talking about. So I was got a little glimpse into maybe some characters that that you might, you know, think, oh, the, like the conservative doctor knows something about healing that I don't, and the DIY punk knows something about, I don't know, you know, sound or what's real or something like that, but. Oh my God, I love, I love that observation. That absolutely just these, these figures that I've given power to. Yeah. That like, that become, that become like a part of, what I think logic is. Yeah. Like, fuck that. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we both, in different ways, you know, are people who have, like, a public image. So you're performing, like, you're on stage, sometimes in front of hundreds or thousands of people. Like, your work is out on the internet and in recorded form. And for me, like, I have a podcast or I work online, and there's however many people I've never met that I know are observing. And I can really get into like a pretty tight place in myself when I think about, you know, like all those people out there and what they think and how they're going to judge me or something like that. Um, and sometimes, you know, I'm able to remember a piece of advice um, someone gave me when I first started teaching public movement classes and I was so nervous to be in front of people and this person said like let yourself love them like all the students like just let yourself love them and connect with that love and like that's going to be your open channel do you f have that experience like what's it like for you to be a performer and be someone who's constantly sharing yourself publicly and I should say also like very vulnerably a lot of what you know, you put forward at least on your social media is like you're really vulnerable like you're really raw and talking about your own you know experience with with self-love or journeys with mm. I love the um I love that advice just loving just loving them that's so beautiful it, it reminds me of when I was gonna do a workshop similar to the one that, that you went to at that theater in Portland by the railroad tracks, whose name Headwaters. I can't remember. Yeah. Headwaters, Headwaters. Um, it was that same workshop, but at, uh, it was at um, 
I think Danceworks Studio Two at, for TBA. Uh, it was for TBA in 2019. And I remember talking to one, one of the directors of TBA, Kristen Kennedy, and I had only really done that workshop um, more than once in other countries where nobody knew who I was, just at different festivals. When I was touring, um, doing this dance piece and wanted uh, doing the music for it. And I hadn't had the experience of doing that workshop around people that I knew. And I was talking to Kristen about this and she was like, well, just, uh, I was like, oh, I've never, I've never done this workshop for my friends. And she was like, well, yeah, we'll just, just feel like you're doing it for your friends. And I, it was just such a huge, it was, yeah, it was revelatory to just feel like, oh, you're allowed to, you're allowed to love them. You're allowed to like have the same like love and trust being with these group of people that are there to like share something with you as you would people that you know, you know, mm -hmm. for, for a long time on the internet, there was a very narrow view for what it could look like to be somebody who was trying to love themselves compassionately. And I think the wider range of people to show what that can look like, the better. And it happens that for me, it's coming in the vessel of somebody who's a musician. I was thinking about one, um, something you posted on your Instagram stories at some point in the last couple of months. And it was something like, um, you know, think about how you've been able to appreciate people when they're being imperfect or when they're being messy or something like that. Like you also can appreciate yourself when you're being imperfect and you're being messy or something. It was something along those lines that yeah. you know what you're talking about there. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was really good reminder for me. I was like, Oh yeah, thank you so much, Holland. Like, <laughs> um, I think especially it can come out with a relationship with a public or with an audience that's unknown. But for me, it can come up definitely in interpersonal dynamics all the time. And it sounds like for you too, you know, this sense of split where I have so much spaciousness and compassion and love for people and like rarely, rarely get bent out of shape about someone being messy or doing something imperfectly or something like usually it makes me love them more. And and yet, with myself, I can hold such a strict standard. And like, if anything is, uh, if I perceive anything as wrong, then immediately I'm beating up on myself for it. And that reminder that you gave felt felt important on the day that I received it. But then it feels important now, um, listening to you again and and thinking about the all the ways that our relationships with ourselves become part of the energetic that we wrap around ourselves, you know, and like what, what we're willing to let in and what we're willing to see and um, the ways our friends might really love us, but we don't even see it because we don't love us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Being able to, to remember that we have the capacity to love people that aren't perfect as a reminder that we can use that same that we have that as a skill that we can apply also to ourselves. I think it's, it's so much harder to apply it to ourselves or why, why there's just so much, why the critique we have for ourselves will never, 
will never come near the critique we have for other people. Also, we're just not really, we're not really raised in a culture of even telling ourselves that we're enough, yeah. you know? Like, when are we ever so, when are we, when, are, when were most people taught that we are, that we are enough with who we are? So how could you, how could you not be incredibly critical of some, someone that's always going to be at a loss? Always, always. And you have all the evidence, you have uh, all the evidence and the practice of building that evidence against the case for loving yourself since, you know, uh, probably from, from a very, very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, and the removal of those patterns can reveal the truth that like who we genuinely are at our core are beings that can love ourselves. It's like, it's just a, it's just a, um, I think that comes with the, the looking, the looking inward and finding who you were before you were taught anything. Mm-hmm. Who were you as just a feeling, as a feeling being before you were taught anything about who you were? Yeah. And it, I, 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 de- I doubt that any of it is as cruel as we are to ourselves every day. Right. So I just want freedom. And I, I want freedom I, and I want everyone else to have freedom. And I know that like my, my emotional landscape is only a mirror of what, it, what everybody else is experiencing in i mean we're all we're all experiencing our own separate you know kind of movies that we're all in but there's a lot of there's a lot of similar themes that i that i learn from in order to um to help other people learn from them as well because it's just not it's not fair it's not fair to just to just live our lives each day like being so being so cruel to to ourselves the whole how we experience and perceive the world first comes from from where we are internally and then that reflects out everything that we see like i could walk down a street being uh feeling depressed and then everything that i'm looking at on the street just looks depressing. it just i it looks depressing <laughs> exactly versus if i'm in a, if i'm in a good mood you know i'm feeling good about my life myself all these things then like the world is the world is a magical place right so if if i can make the inside of my body a place that i can be with and just feel love then that is the that is the life that i live and that's the life that i want to live more of each day um cuz like why not <laughs> Cause why not? Right. Like, like, cause it'll make me feel better. That is just, that is enough. Like just wanting to like, to feel better than how you have been feeling and using tools to love yourself as the key to do that. Do that. You know? I mean, I feel like what you're getting into is like the root of all the isms. It's like the root of all the shit in the world you know, is, is this place where at some point someone felt insecure, mm-hmm. someone felt like their power, their relevance or whatever it was, was non-applicable going away. I don't know. And then created some kind of dynamic around harm and projection. And that there's been this 
astounding evolution within the human psyche that separates us from one another that's also a survival strategy like when you're talking about the ways that we talk down to ourselves you know for me i'm thinking like that's a survival strategy you know growing up with an abusive parent or growing up in an abusive culture if i'm if i'm talking down to myself first then i'm ready for what's coming to me i know i know how to get out of the way like i'm i'm going to incur less wrath you know if i'm already feeling small and already hating on myself then if i'm feeling like joyful and abundant because my abusive parent is so deeply insecure and so deeply wounded and there's so much insecurity and woundedness in this culture that when people are feeling full and vibrant it can create like such intense feelings of shame for people who are not you know because there's this com this competitiveness and projection and and so then there's this constant dynamic of like, well, let's put each other down so that we don't have to feel how small we are, like how much, you know, mm -hmm. I'm going to put you down so I don't have to feel how deeply I hate myself kind mm -hmm. of, of instinct. And, and then what you're talking about, you know, this self-love and like claiming, it feels like that gets underneath the root of all the ways that we've been taught to hate ourselves, whether it's like we were taught to hate our body, hate our desire, hate our, you know, expression or creativity da, 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 like all the different ways yeah yeah i think like that that place that you were talking about where uh where we as a, as a survival skill we can like cynicize ourselves out of loving ourselves mm -hmm. it's almost become like a it's almost become like a joke yeah you know, um, and it's more like it's it absolutely is, to love yourself, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, like, oh, you're so narcissistic, or you're so egotistical, or like that's that's how we've kind of categorized this thing because love is also seen as something that's like scarce. Or if I um, if I love myself, then if I love myself and you're hating on me, and if I love myself, then I might actually have to like let this go mm. for for those mm -hmm. and you know for those of us that come from like abusive families i think a lot of people do you know it's like oh if someone's giving me this negative message i have to internalize it so i can stay in relationship with them yes and oh. if i shift that if i start to love myself i this relationship is too painful it's too fucked up you know yeah. you need to, something needs to change and if it doesn't change then maybe i have to go away like yeah. that, that whole process around bonds and attachment feels really intense. Yeah. God, that's so relatable. Absolutely. Like the fear, the fear of being around somebody that you love, that loves themselves when you don't, it, it creates a sort of like, there is some, there is some way in which you are taking something from me and you feeling all this love for yourself. And it could be affection from other people. And it could be bringing up thoughts that I have, how I'm not worthy. Like, of course this person loves himself. And I, like, then there's no way that I can, you know, whatever. And it's, it's just all these thought patterns that continue to validate that belief versus those things being the more real thing that is truth. Because there is also this other truth that the light can't, that you can shine your own light on is that you deserve to love yourself mm -hmm. that, or that you are capable of doing it. There's a part of you that is innate in you that was there before you learned all of these things um, that you are allowed, are allowed to feel that you're actually allowed to feel that way.
Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's, I, I think what, I think one of, one of the ways I like to, to kind of rephrase how we even think of, if, if the idea of loving yourself just feels like, you know, super hard, which is, does for a lot of people if you weren't taught that, um, or if you aren't building a relationship with feeling that way. Um, uh, there's a different, there's a couple different approaches in which I like to, to talk about how I, I feel it. And I feel it like, um, ha, I feel it like I am, uh, like I am a, like I am a parent and how I would want myself as a child to feel from me. It's mm. like, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to love you like a good, like a healthy, like a healthy loving parent. Um, and that may not be the perfect um, analogy if that wasn't your upbringing. And even if it was your upbringing, you, there, is a, there is a sense of how you would want that parent to treat you, what you feel like you as a child would have deserved to have, to have felt from a guardian. Yeah. So I kind of look at myself and feel myself like I am, like I am this guardian of my child self. Where there's art, you know, when you're thinking about children, there's already a sense of like forgiveness and compassion and love and support and excitement and newness and like, and nurturing. And that, that is just, that is just there when you think about how we want to treat children. And um, the only difference between like us and kids is like what we've learned and what we've, what we've kept. And what we forgot. And what's, or, and, and, and what we forgot, but we are still those beings. We, the, mm -hmm. the, the spirit that was housed around that being as a child is still, is still you today. Um, you know, if that if spirit, if you, souls and shit is what you vibe with, it's what I vibe with, so that's what I talk about. Um, but like the, the essence of you is that has always, has always been, you know? So there is never any, there's never any transition in how you are deserving of love between when you are a child and, and how you are now. Mm. Um, so I like to think about it that way. Um, or, or I like to think about loving yourself. Uh, I never looked up who this quote is from, but sort of loving yourself as a radical act. Like, like loving yourself like it's a fuck you to like society. Like you're just a punk raising your middle finger up to the status quo and being like, guess what? You taught me that I shouldn't do this. But like when I do it, like I feel good and it makes me like, uh, treat myself better and treat um, the people around me better and makes my life better in every single way. Like you were keeping this from me. You were keeping this from me the, this whole time. Like, fuck you, fuck you, yeah. you know? Like, like that's not, that's not mine. That's like old, shitty, crusty, bullshit, foundational nonsense that we're all here to destroy right now. Like that's why we're here. So with the systems, and constructs that we're trying to dismantle in our radical work as um, as activists, if you identify that way or folks identify that way, um, in the same ways that we are tearing down these structures externally for our own crumbling democracy, we uh, we must also crumble within ourselves to reveal the purest form of ourselves that is just a loving a loving, powerful being. Um, and how we define love doesn't, 
it doesn't need to to look like it's just this romantic thing like that is a part an aspect of how we experience love yes but it's also it's also generosity it's also kindness it's also happiness it's peacefulness it's bliss it's it's um it's being in exciting conversation with your friends it look it looks like all of these things and not just this narrow um this narrow thing that only exists in like a monogamous way between you and another person it is it is expansive and encompasses so much so to operate from this like wide umbrella of light and recognizing that as our truest selves and our own you know and creating what version of ourselves we want to be within that that's how we that's how we make the change that we want to see um and at least it makes it more sustainable because if we're just sort of like miserable uh uh going about our lives trying to do all this radical work it's you know it's 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 a lot of pain to to sustain carrying the weight of all this bullshit that was imposed upon us holland um your chart is kind of amazing at this moment because your sun is at 11 scorpio and you have natal mercury at 25 degrees of libra and this is exactly the degree range of mercury's current retrograde it it's stationed retrograde at 11 scorpio it's going back to 25 libra it'll station direct there um and you also have the root of your chart held in in middle of of aries and mars is about to station direct basically at the root of your chart um, and then you're also having your Venus return. Venus today is pretty much at the same degree it was when you were born. Mm. So there's something I think like in this idea of um, we're all, you know, the, the, the macro and the micro, right? Like we're, each of us are having our individual experiences, but then we're all part of this greater collective unfolding. And you're a person who works a lot with collective consciousness in your own way. And I'm wondering, um, kind of looking at your chart and noticing this, my feeling is like, whatever you're personally going through right now, when it comes to some of the ideas encapsulated in the relationships between Libra and Scorpio, Mars retrograde, Venus and Libra, et cetera, which maybe just as a very brief list, like I would say, um, Perf the, the idea of perfection slash superficiality versus depth and realness. Um, love and relationships in general, uh, but the surface of them as opposed to the real substance of them. And then this sense of like, why are you here? Like, why are you really here? What's the real reason? What's the deep reason? Like, it feels like these questions are really relevant in your personal chart, but they're so relevant in the collective sphere mm -hmm. right now. So I'm wondering if you would be willing to share a little bit about what you've been like coming to in just these last few weeks in your own observations of your life, like in your own guiding philosophy and what you're thinking about uh, love and relationships, the superficial versus the deep substance and this kind of space that you might be navigating around um, 
what the the surface or the presentation or the idea of perfection might be as opposed to what something more complex and authentic and um yeah inner mm. might be if any of that stirs anything for you show does let me tell you um yeah it sure does i think one of the ways that this has been showing up in relationships is whatever kind of perfect expectation I had for having a perfect relationship or um, a, a connection with someone, whatever, like, whatever image of what I thought that needed to look like to be, to be happy or for how I wanted to feel represented in a relationship has been, um, pretty just pretty dismantled in in some experiences I've had recently um in that finding a place of releasing of a releasing attachment to an outcome in how I experience um desire with people in how I get to share love with people whatever ideas that I had that that needed to look like I've been going through these experiences where that is not, that is not serving me. Having, having a limited, having a limited idea of what, what the perfect dynamic for anything needs to look like in terms of how I am in relationship with people, I can just shut down. I can I shut down in a way where I don't need them anymore. And the thing that I'm operating from for what I'm needing is coming from, uh, coming from an interior, space and relying on trusting what my interior self is needing from my relationships and then how to operate within those relationships from there versus like you know if i'm in love with somebody that this is that it needs to look like this or the outcome needs to be coming from you know uh that the the outcome is the thing that will validate this feeling that i have um where if i am feeling safe in my body and then can just freely have love for other people. And if I feel, um, mutual, mutual respect and love from those people that there is no, that I don't need any other outcome besides having that feeling. And that has been a very liberating experience and painful as well. But you know, any, any, anything where I get to, take apart how I need to be in relationship with people. If the things that I've been taught don't actually serve the expansion of my, um, my depth of my, my uh, humanity and my emotionality and my, my sense of love, anything that hinders that I do not need whatsoever. Um, and that can include being uncomfortable. And I, and I know that because I also have a sense of feeling safe in my body that I can, that I can feel uncomfortable and be okay. I have so much experience of feeling uncomfortable in my life. It's just so much <laughs> like all of us do. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I, I was okay. You know? Um, and then finding, just finding the safety in myself for, um, going through emotional discomfort in relationship with people and, trusting that I'm going to be operating from um, 
from a place of love for myself in feeling pain and not needing to uh, villainize people who, you know, didn't do anything wrong. Thank you. I know that a lot of what you shared resonates with me and I imagine that people who are listening might resonate with it as well. And if they're listening from the future, it'll probably still resonate. But to think back <laughs> to October of 2020 and what they were experiencing, because yeah, I think when, when astrology reflects so deeply in a personal chart, um, that person is going through something that is a mirror of a collective process. So mm. And what, and what you just shared, I heard a lot of like pieces of, you know, collective healing that seems like we really need. Thanks so much for talking. Yes. I love being here. So good to see you and to chat with you. So good to talk to you. Um, Do you have anything coming up that listeners might want to know about? I don't have anything coming up. So since COVID time started, there was, there's a period of time, like I said, where I was only listening to drones and then I was making drones for myself to help me relax and to meditate. So if anybody um, wants to hear uh, this drone that I made, it's called This Isn't Forever. And it's really, really simple drone. Um, it's a half hour long. It's, it's made to be looped. Um, if you just want to put it on in the background uh, while you are trying to relax. Um, I recommend um, going over to my... Bandcamp page, which you can find on my Instagram to, to listen to that, to just, um, to just relax. It's on, it's also on Spotify. I wanted to, uh, to invite everybody to, um, to practice some, uh, this vocal exercise that I started doing at the beginning of quarantine. And um, it was coming out of, uh, it was coming out of a meditation. And um, I was, uh, uh, I was finding that all, uh, I'm, I'm a singer mostly. And I was finding that it was really hard for me to do much singing other than humming for for a few months from quarantine time. And in this playful exploration of humming, I was um, in a place of quiet in my body, uh, creating this practice of um, finding, scanning my energy, scanning my body, and then finding any parts of my body that were needing some attention, needing some fulfillment, needing some love, and um, singing one note to that part, um, and taking time to find what note that was until I would feel like a little, um, like a, a spark or an expansion of that part that needed that energy. Um, because essentially, vibration, sound, is the deepest form of physical touch that our bodies can experience. So using our own, our own physical voices as resonators, we're able to provide and kind of massage and touch any part within us that we, that we can't with, you know, surgical tools. I'm not saying this is a cure for anything. 
um, or is is um, is better than surgery. Um, if there is any part in us kind of energetically that we are wanting to send information to, we can do that with our own voices. So, um, so if we wanted to just try this out as an experiment for the last part of this portion of the class, just um, get comfortable in your body, however you like. <sighs> get centered again. And then from putting our awareness into, into our chests, pretend, closing our eyes and pretending our eyes are in the deepest center of our chest. Breathing there. And then just on a hum, finding going through your range just really gently and then just finding finding a note that you think your body needs and then just staying on that note i'm going to mute myself so people aren't distracted by what i'm doing so um yeah if you want to be moving around do whatever is most comfortable for you so just going through your range like that and then finding or slower and then finding the note that your body needs right now in this present moment and keeping your focus on the sensations in your body while singing this note. Okay. From that place of love for yourself. And once you find a good moment, just take a pause from the hum and just notice. Notice the sensation in your body. Coming back into our breath again. If your eyes are closed, just kind of uh, feel the light where you are, just kind of pull slowly back into your vision. Take your time. Continue to sense and feel the evidence of the humming of the energy that you gave your body, of the vibration that you just gave your body, that maybe you're still giving your body if you just feel like it's, it's too juicy to let go of. So with that practice, it is, it is a way that you can um, have very, very easy access to offering your energetic body um, some support for what it needs. And you may not need to consciously know that, oh, my, um, I know my sacral chakra is needing some support, so I'll, so I'll do, so I'll do this. Um, your, your body will let you know what it needs in just exploring and finding the note. And it could be, it could, it could be that, um, that your body wants several. Um, and uh, just carving out and creating some intentional time and space to just give um, and, and drink in the messages for, uh, for what your body is needing that you can provide just with some sounds in your voice and um, gentle loving hums. Um, 
when you simply think of a note, your vocal cords still vibrate. So this practice could be done even when you are in a place where you can't make sound. I love that. I love that. Your body knows. Your body knows how, your body knows what it needs and it can just, um, it can just do it without even making a, making a sound. That's beautiful. For more information about Holland and what they're up to these days, check the show notes. Be sure to follow Holland on Instagram at holland.andrews and follow Embodied Astrology too. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with your friends and networks. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe.